Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. And maybe as I tap into the grief and the pain and also the resilience in my ancestral body, I can be supported by my ancestors and by that knowing to show up for and with communities here and now. And then it becomes part of my healing, part of their healing, part of our liberation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Liberate Yourself podcast. And if you're new here, welcome to the revolution. I have to apologize for taking a break, but as I'm sure you can relate, life has thrown more curveballs that are both up-leveling and challenging me at the same time. Um, I'm also learning that there's really not a whole lot of difference between up-leveling and challenging. I've taken on a new part-time position at a wellness studio startup here in Seattle, which I'm super excited about. and is actually a seamless addition to my life and highly experimental which my venus and aquarius just loves (laughs) it was it was actually called in thanks to some new manifestation methods i've been using of lacey phillips's work with to be magnetic now honestly i have tried many different forms of manifestation i've you know been deep into the abraham hicks material and have been a chaos magician and earth magic and many other forms of manifesting the life I desire. And they all, all of these methods helped me with self-love and raising my vibration and changing my vibration and really getting in tune with myself. But I was also getting frustrated because there just weren't results. Like I don't, you know, want to be a results only oriented person. But at the end of the day, you really just want some things to come through. And basically things weren't physically coming through. After many, many, many months of, you know, doing doing this work and Lacey's distilled method is super tangible and lucid as the work is based in neuroplasticity and reprogramming your subconscious patterns. And any occult teacher or mentor will tell you that bypassing the conscious mind and repatterning the subconscious, planting seeds in the subconscious, is really, I mean, in my opinion, is the entire reasoning behind doing magic and working with the universe, co-creating with the universe. Anyway, I've just found her method to be super, super clear, very approachable, very tangible, like I said. And like I said, I'm getting results. Like things are actually starting to move. I think it was one of the last pieces that I needed that really unblocked me, to use her terminology, like unblocked my subconscious to like let things start streaming in. And um, so far it's, it's really incredible to see how the synchronicities show up, to see how the, how the, the signs basically show up for me to follow. And it's gotten me more 
in touch with my own internal guidance system, which I am all about and my own intuition. So I am happy to say that I believe in this work so much now. I've become a referral partner with To Be Magnetic, so you can find out more and get $20 off when you sign up for the pathway by following the link in the show notes. But yes, suffice it to say, I've been a bit busy with reprogramming and new additions in my life that it took me a little while to edit and get this transmission out to you. I am so thrilled to share this conversation I had with Lauren Miranda back in Virgo season, especially since she is a Virgo son herself and was in a place of discovery and alignment with her true purpose. Lauren is a natural intuitive who is creatively holding space at the intersection of personal healing and collective liberation. Her main focus is helping others reconnect with their ancestral roots and heal what we've all inherited. She's developing many different experiences to nourish others as we go through immense changes of paradigm through her podcast, Heal and Liberate, online gatherings, and collaborations to hold physical space for nurturing those in the activist arena. I really enjoyed this easeful conversation with Lauren as we we both believe that the liberation of each individual's soul will contribute to the evolution of humanity, and we're both experimenting with ways of doing this both digitally and in the physical. So I hope you find this transmission both nurturing and expanding on your path of transformation. Let's get to it. How was this summer for you? It feels like everything changed for everybody, but what what are the changes that you went through that were really, really marked and that you're carrying out now with that with that lovely Virgo <laughs> exactitude? <laughs> mm. Yeah, this year has really been about getting just super clear on what my medicine is, what space I'm here to hold, what space I'm here to not hold. I think when I began writing and podcasting and holding in-person space for folks there, at least I noticed in myself this desire to kind of be for everyone at all stages in a way. And I realized that my podcast and the flavor of it, the the content was still really authentic, you know, same with my writing and, and it wasn't dialed in to what is specifically concretely me that maybe only I can do or that I am called to step into and just really coming to terms and being at peace with how, how you serve. Exactly. How I serve. And I'm really trusting that and really allowing that to unfold, just getting more clear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Same. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of us have been going through is that real true authenticity like this. It's almost like this, um, or it was, uh, and what I'm speaking about, this is like summer 2019. We went through a pretty intense eclipse season went through a really soggy mercury retrograde and cancer so like really emotional like this felt like a carnival ride or (laughs) like psychedelic you know experience of past present future where are we going who have we been who are we now and I feel almost like not not knowing and needing to be okay with the not knowing just just yet I mean really okay with the the journey 
you know, and not necessarily just clinging to any specific destination. That's, that's what I've gotten out of it. <laughs> I think that that's what a lot of this energy teaches us to do is that just like extreme surrender and letting go. And something I've been going through lately too, is there's so much advice. There's so many people telling you what category to, to fall in or what stream to flow in. And it just really comes down with me anyway. I don't know if you feel the same way. It really just comes down to, I don't think I belong in any of those. I feel this real um, assurance in that, that I really am creating the kind of experiences and the kind and serving in, in a way that is very specific to, to me and getting back to that inner child and, that essence that we came into the world with. I think that's what a lot of, a lot of the energy is, is helping us do lately. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that you're getting more, more clear with that. You talk about the, you know, the energy moving through you. So this is something we've talked about before. Um, you discovered this when you were a child, like how you, really tap into and how intuition flows through you, how, how messaging flows through you. And that is very like electric in a way. Can you talk a little bit about like how that began in your life and how you started plugging in essentially? Yeah, I would be happy to. I feel that I'm someone who came into this life really open in a lot of ways. And I don't take a lot of personal credit for that. It's kind of how I came in, have always really longed for a connection to spirit, to source, like made spirituality. And even spirituality is a word that gets used so much, but mm -hmm. that essence of connection and, and inner knowing and really being in touch with the inner realms as well as the externals of my experience has just been really innate. And it was something too, I think that was innate to me as a young child. And then in my early childhood, when I was seven years old, I began to experience seizures and was diagnosed with epilepsy, which has taken me time to create a narrative around that feels really empowering now because the reality of that is that it was super scary for me and my parents. It, the first seizure happened as a fear response when I was in a doctor's office and like heard them talking about scary things. So it was not at all related to a traumatic brain injury or other chronic illness, very much just an energetic survival response. And that led to me being put on really heavy, heavy psychotropic mm. medication, which is used to control quote unquote, control <laughs> epilepsy and seizures um, but it's also used to treat really serious mental illness and already in my own ancestral body and what I carry in my lineage my family has a predisposition I think as many of ours do um, I think those of us who are on the planet right now are carrying a lot and transmuting a lot for the lineages before so it kind of feels funny to say oh I was predis predisposed to mental health challenges yeah. because actually looking at what we're carrying ancestrally and also just the state of the world I have yet to meet someone who 
has not struggled on some level with mental health. Maybe there are those like rare and vibrant exceptions. But. No, I, I totally get it. I feel that too. And I feel like, um, what does that even mean when we say, you know, mm-hmm. mental health struggles anymore? Because when you look at, you know, our current construct and narrative, that can mean anything that yeah I I I get where you're coming from Mm -hmm. for sure yeah experienced very early on feeling very dysregulated most of the time and that could be deemed anxiety or depression or mood um, disorder paranoia paranoia or so many things um but really the layering of I think having very energetically sensitive body in a way that I couldn't even understand or have language for as a young child and then like having my system slammed with really intense western pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. um, how long were you on those I was on those until I was 15 so it was my whole childhood and adolescence and even while on medication I had Um, two other seizures one of them was actually in church with my family like praying so it's very interesting very interesting to kind Mm -hmm. of think about what space I was tapping into Mm -hmm. again this is a very young person like growing up in a very small town in northern California without a lot of context for this but even though those years were so painful as I cycled in and out of just really really big emotions it really strengthened this kind of muscle in me of inner resilience and also this big drive to tap into spirit and intuition because I could feel and know in my body really innately and really quickly when something felt supportive and when it didn't because my system was already so taxed in a way that um, my my window of tolerance at that time was pretty narrow. Um, so I had experiences like, I remember going into sixth grade and it was right after I had had my second of the three seizures that I had had. It was very sensitive and would just like walk into the classrooms and like immediately feel sick and be like, I can't be here. And wow. who knows, like, was it just the stimulus of a new school? Like people around me, just everything. Um, So I really struggled. I really struggled. And it wasn't really until my early 20s that I began to feel more healthy and well and vibrant. And that really came with going to college and connecting with new community and like getting really engaged in activism and solidarity work and just Mm -hmm. plugging into the world. And I think my, my personal experience, really the suffering and this kind of isolating strange place that I was in Mm -hmm. really motivated me to want to understand and show up for communities impacted by injustice Mm -hmm. and it's taken me time to really weave those threads and connections and and then there was a time you know after graduating I lived internationally for three years and in hindsight was absorbing more secondary trauma than my body could handle and came back to California and really had to go deeper into healing and into spiritual practice on a whole new level. And that's when my movement practice became really important to me. That's when I began to study energy work and really kind of fit the pieces together. And without as much of that 
outside stimulus that I had in my international work, I was really able to tap in more and was living in Oakland at the time, which I find to be such a vibrant, rich, creative Mm -hmm. place. And was able to realize like, oh, I think like I've always been pretty intuitive. And I think the way that I connect with spirit and channel in a way and receive inspiration is certainly not unique or personal to me. And it's a gift and something that I want to develop and then I want to honor and offer to the collective for greater healing, for greater liberation. And just learning too, like, oh, in other cultures, a seven-year-old child with a seizure would not have been medicated. <laughs> right. There's like some, this complexity to that. Like I still hold grief around mm-hmm. what I see as a lot of unnecessary suffering and tampering with my nervous system that I still, still am working to undo in a lot of ways. There's times when I'm in a movement practice or meditation where I'll experience body movement that looks like a seizure and I'm totally conscious and feeling great but um Mm -hmm. my nervous system is still kind of shedding some of that and it's been a process of also owning like okay this is where I choose this is where I chose to be I didn't choose to come into a context where I would be given this amazing shamanic mentoring and training by an elder Mm. once it was apparent that there was something going on in my system energetically. So it's really been a both and mm-hmm. journey for me. And I think this is the point now in my life where I feel the best about that integration and can really talk about it and offer it as medicine for others. Yeah. Cause I feel like, um, I mean, obviously we were born in certain places at a certain time in history in order to bring these gifts forward in order to work with our intuition. Not that, of course, like we all have these really difficult, I feel like you were blocked. I feel like there was something that was real, you know, the medication and the stories around it, the narrative around it was really blocking that. But I'm also getting that, you know, that's what's going to propel you forward to do the work that needs to be done at this place, at this juncture in history you know, in order to heal. Do you feel the same way? I mean, that's kind of how I come to peace with a lot of the trauma that's happened with me as well. It's like we we do choose to, in my paradigm, we choose to be born in under specific circumstances so that we can develop our medicine, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a both and for me. It's yeah. naming that and kind of being able to feel empowered and in autonomy and sovereignty around, you know, what I've lived through, what each of us have lived through and mm-hmm. survived and thrived through. And then also for me, that and is always looking at structures, like what are the the threads of violence, of ignorance, of injustice that cause suffering? Like what is it in the Western medical model that would medicate a seven-year-old child? I believe probably most levels of trauma for folks, there is always some structural, environmental, familial basis critique or yeah. something something that can be liberated in a way that is beyond the individual. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it's a real both and and 
dancing between those. Yeah, I really feel like that's what we're, um, I know you and I both have those feelings about just wanting to, I mean, liberate <laughs> each each and every person in their own way and their to their truth and, and get out of these, yeah, constructed heavily, the control, the control mechanisms that that are so commonplace and have been for many generations that questioning that seems to be very rebellious. But then the way I've always felt about it is it just feels like natural to question them. Do you feel the same mm-hmm. way? Like I've always, always, I mean, it used to look a lot whenever I was younger, it was a lot more um, unrefined <laughs> and just really ranting and like, why this doesn't make any sense, you know, my surroundings, because I have probably had the same, same kind of, or similar response to education as, as well, like just going to school, I had to sort of wrap my head around the structure that was created, or that was built, that we were being funneled through, it didn't make any sense to me that that was, you know, we all of a sudden were like, playing and exploring the world and like finding, you know, what lights us up, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you have to go into this like really sterile environment, fluorescent lighting and all everyone point, you know, everyone is basically being trained to do the same thing with a little bit of variance, a little bit of variation, but not much. Yeah. It's just this very insidious kind of programming that like I said in in recent generations not many people have questioned it but then I think our generation is coming along and is like wait a minute this doesn't compute this doesn't make any sense whatsoever Um, Mm -hmm, completely and to riff off of that I think the systems the powers that be because we have to be real about like there are systems that profit off of all of us being educated a certain way, off of us being pharmaceuticals, sick. off of us being sick, exactly, off of racism and patriarchy and heteronormativity and all of those things continuing. There, there is a reason why those are put in place by powerful folks and why there's been this paradigm of the many being oppressed at the expense of the few. Like it's this energy of like hoarding resources and power that just so clearly is not working on the planet anymore and Mm. I think the really insidious thing in those systems is that we're taught like oh you have a mental health problem so like you should go talk to your therapist or like oh like you don't like school like you're a bad kid maybe you need like a different you need to go to this other school for kids that Mm -hmm. can't be in class so it's we're taught, I think, especially in a Western context, to think of all of these problems that are really systemic as individual problems. And something a mentor and friend of mine, Kelly Germain, who is an excellent anti-racism educator and activist and space holder, talks about is something that I think one of her mentors shared with her, which is this image of like, okay, we're noticing that there are sick fish in a pond. And maybe like you see one sick fish and you're like, oh, like what's going on with that fish? But then you see more and more and more and you have to eventually ask about the quality of water in that pond. And that's really what we're grappling with Mm -hmm. individually and collectively is like, what's the water that we're living in? How do we transform it? Even if I'm 
so even bringing in a conversation around privilege here, if I am somehow because of my identities and the way that water channels through me, if I extend this metaphor, am not as sick as someone else, but that's not okay because that same water is polluting me, even if I'm not the one that's immediately being impacted by white supremacy and violence and climate disaster that is creating refugees and the whole that could be expanded in many areas of our world. We have to like really ask what water are we in and Mm -hmm. what agency do we have to create a new pond, clean up Mm -hmm. the pond that we already have. We have every agency in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the this age of Aquarius is really about, it really is about what's good for the collective. And that doesn't mean like everyone needs to be the same. You have to love every single person that it, that's impossible. But it is, there is this overarching like detachment kind of love for humanity itself that I'm really loving about the way that we're going in this energy is because it really is not focused on, yeah, greed and and extraction and taking at the expense of others it's i feel like so many systems are are being transformed and being created in order to accommodate that like what is best for everyone and even like things like the sharing economy really excites me because it it, it has this underlying ethos of you know we don't all have to own like i don't personally need to own every single thing that I use every day, you know, whether that's, whether that's a home, whether that's appliances, whether that's, you know, um, we just have so much stuff like that, that kind of model, I can see that and blockchain technology and cryptocurrency really like, I can see opening up and creating more of this interchange between all people that makes much more sense without things being so centralized because when you centralize things that's when you have this uh conflict of interest you know because because things can be so so centralized on one group or one person's interest is what i mean by that so anyway i feel like systems are i feel like one of the things that we're here to do is to help liberate those systems and to become more you know, inclusive for everyone to help everyone. And I think that that's changing business, that's changing media services, all of these things, all of these things to be more integrative and inclusive. Mm -hmm. And that's, I don't know, that's why I feel really excited to be part of this time. We're just like in this transit, this extreme transitional period. And I don't know how long that's going to to last you know what I mean sometimes I'm like oh it could be in 10 years we could be there or we may not see it in our lifetime it's like hopeful and at the same time like very humbling like wow we're really here to do that work (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you feel the same way like completely undertaking (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah we can't do it alone and there's really if we just look at like biological physiological evolution like there's a serious evolutionary pressure to like get our shit together as humanity 
you know, one doesn't have to have like really high spiritual ideals or this um, wide open, compassionate love for all humanity way of being to, unless folks choose to totally deny it, which I think is the trauma response, you know, like I, it's interesting when we, you know, see folks who are like climate change deniers and, you know, just negating the realities on many levels. And I think it's a both and. I think it can be a very like nefarious, greed, controlling the dialogue, keeping power thing. And also, I would like to think more for like normal average folk who, you know, using climate crisis as an example, like feel like that's not happening or aren't able to engage in it is it's just like so overwhelming. Like if you think about, I try to remember this every time I go on Instagram or social media, like it is so strange to be able to like go into a device and receive information from like as many different sources and channels as you want. And it's not just words, it's pictures and video and we our nervous systems have to hold so freaking much Mm -hmm. that I just wonder about how, I think this is where movement and embodiment and breath and time with land, with earth, any of those grounding practices are so important because we're being asked to do way, way more than many of our ancestors were just by the sheer reality of technology and back to the trauma response thing exactly and for folks that you know want to believe maybe a certain and we all have lenses like I have biases we all have biases but want to believe that like we don't need to change collectively I feel like that's an overwhelm response it's like this freeze kind of withdraw Mm -hmm. I'm not going to look at it thing so I'm really passionate about yeah, supporting us to have the tools and the resources to like really look at these hard things mm-hmm. and to really show up for each other because um, we can't do it alone. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's get into mm-hmm. the work that you're you're putting out right now or doing in the background and wanting to to launch soon. I'd love to if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, thank you for that invitation. There's many overlapping <laughs> segments, but I'll start with podcasting. And my podcast is called Heal and Liberate. Um, That was a new name that birthed earlier this year and this time of clarifying when I started last October. It was called the Today I Am podcast. And both of those names really came through in a channeled way. And I think that first season of the podcast as Today I Am was a lot about me kind of finding my voice. And so the second season of Heal and Liberate really was born of that process that we spoke about earlier of me getting really clear about I'm here to hold space at the intersections of personal healing and collective liberation and to really nurture folks who are in the activist space who are desiring more grounding and support in their work and also to really activate people who are in a healing space because I think we see a lot of new age spirituality like especially for you know folks raised as white again these are very big generalizations I'm also a white woman and have 
you know, pulled out strands of this in myself, like there can be this spiritual bypass. And I think it is a trauma response in some ways of like the collective suffering is so big and there's so many people who are suffering severe injustice and violence on the planet and like what can I do about it okay all I can do is like channel love and light and pray for that yes and like what are the things that we can all do locally to create that more nourishing pond to use that analogy to Mm -hmm. to step into in the ways that we are each called this liberatory process Mm -hmm. so that's been the podcast space So by the time this airs, there will also be the Heal and Liberate Collective, which is an option for folks to access a monthly call space that's guided by me and a custom audio affirmation bundle, which is something I started recently and also is part of kind of my channeling writing practice. Yeah, that's so unique. I love that you're doing Uh this. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so the vision with the collective is at the beginning of the lunar cycle to ask folks a few questions about what's coming up for them in their world, you know, what is moving for them. And from that, really taking a pulse of the group and then designing like an hour and a half monthly space, an audio affirmation bundle, probably more goodies, journaling questions that really nourish the collective. Because when I'm feeling big time in podcasting, as you may know, podcasting is both a very relational thing and that, you know, if we're doing interviews, we get to talk to people and exchange ideas and share that. And it can be a little lonely because we send these podcast episodes out into the world and we don't always hear yeah. how they land with folks or have a chance to like follow up and hold space for deepening. So that's really the vision with Mm-hmm. the heal and liberate collective feels really lovely yeah thank you I'm also writing a lot more both in my personal life and sharing on Instagram at these intersections I feel really aligned with where you're coming from as well because I you know I'm doing things kind of similarly too, like building uh my vision my vision was like wellspring that's kind of what I called like mm-hmm. my my monthly group calls because just wanting to build this space of like nourishment I think that it's so crucial for us to come together and connect that way with whoever we you know feel most uh, resonant with or you know people that we really want to align ourselves with that's so powerful to be using this technology and this the tools that we have in the information age to be coming together globally that is so freaking powerful. One of my ongoing group calls, we're from four different continents. And that's that's always fun, like trying to figure out the time zones, but you know, <laughs> the weirdest times. But like it's so powerful. Like we would have never known each other. We would, you know, we wouldn't have been able to. So I think that like community in and of itself is also lifting out of that again like that centralized function it still is of course like I think meeting in person is still very crucial but how powerful is it that we're able to like gather together in this literally this space 
it's such important work is what I'm trying to say. And Mm -hmm. it feels very needed right now because that's the reason I do this podcast is so people out there know that they are not alone doing this work. You know, that's why I have so many various guests on so that there's always people to like reach out to and just to find yourself in and just to know that like you're not alone no matter where you are in the world. And yeah, I feel like the work that we're doing is has really beautiful like flourishing ends to it or yeah so I'm really happy that you're you're feeling similarly as well in creating that community Mm -hmm. yeah I couldn't agree more and thank you for expanding on that and it's really I'm finding a big part of my expansion this year has been the play between offline and online space and another really unexpected initiation of 2019 is that I was actually through many synchronicities brought back to the place where I grew up which is somewhere I thought like oh I would never live there like it's so conservative yeah (laughs) I had all these ideas and judgments Um, but this land suffered a really devastating wildfire last November and there's a lot of families and people who are still almost a year later really struggling and the opportunity came for me to come back and to start a mindfulness and trauma healing program in the schools with elementary school students which has been just like that's so beyond (laughs) anything I could have dreamed for for myself and also really this is very much a theme for me in this September Virgo energy when we're recording this has really asked me to get clear on like okay how am I showing up online because I have a lot less hours to do that so I want to get really clear on like Mm -hmm. what is the essence of the online space that I'm holding who am I here to serve how can I best serve them and how can I do that in a way that is really nourishing and pieces together with these other aspects of offline life as well. So what does that clarity sound like or feel like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like the image that comes through is just this constant dance and back and forth of learning to structure my days in a way that's really good for me and good for all of these projects. It's looked like some salt baths at the end of really long days when it's like, whoa, I was just out in the schools all day and then I did a podcast and I feel a little dysregulated and it's really looked at for me because I think when I first began to share in podcasting on social media social media was really only something that came into my life you know maybe when I had a Facebook in high school but in terms of like Instagram and using it as a place to connect and find community really only when I came back from living internationally at the end of 2017 because I was really missing community and I was like in Oakland and kind of like okay where are my people and what do I care about and um, how do I make meaning and create a life that honors my values and what I'm here to do in this new context so it's been very clarifying for me to really say like okay my online time looks like this and serves this purpose. 
um, which has really just been a cycle for me. You know, there was a time when I was like following so many people on Instagram, like more than I could ever keep up with. And like, yeah, all of, probably had that experience. But um, curation is very important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly just for our, we got to like be really good to our nervous systems and yes. energy bodies. And, yeah. And something that want, which may be a bit of a segue, but going deeper into holding offline space and in-person space you have alluded to kind of this intersection that's coming through for me of healing and liberation and really looking at anti-racism work and I was really thankful at the end of last year to participate in a three-month program with friends and mentors I mentioned one of them Kelly Germain called Energetic Justice that space is that space is for similar to what I described earlier, healers who are seeking to be more activated in liberation and justice issues and, you know, activists who are seeking to ground into an energetic container and spiritual community that can really hold their work. And specifically for folks raised as white to understand, like, how did we get to this place where we have race? How is that created? you know, what might life, life have been like for our people in pre-colonial indigenous Europe? What are the stories and the traumas that we carry? What is our role as allies and accomplices of communities of color in this time of shifting, of creating a pond, to go back to <laughs> that analogy, where we are all safe and nourished and well that experience was really catalyzing and clarifying for me to to hold this space for white folks who are spiritual and desire the best for the world and maybe don't feel at home in the really hardcore fast-paced activist spaces which hmm. hold their own trauma of like intense burnout and are looking to plug in and integrate so that work for me now has evolved in a few ways of like holding space for students going through the energetic justice orientation pathway and coming up, depending on when this airs, I'll be with my friend Kelly in a few places in California holding in-person gatherings around this theme. They're called Oxygen and she has a really phenomenal poem video that speaks to this that maybe we could link to if someone if this kind of piques someone's interest and feels like it could be part of their path and then also with another friend who is also named Lauren um, spelled with an e <laughs> we're uh -huh. creating a retreat here in Northern California for next summer called Reclaiming Roots she also moved through the energetic justice orientation pathway and really kind of integrates these themes of how do we like get in touch with our ancestors? What does that mean? Like for each of us individually, for us collectively, how do we, for me and my process with my ancestors has been a lot of grief of the assimilation and the loss of culture that happened when on both sides of my family, my people are from the Azores islands off the coast of Portugal. And I knew my grandfather who was born there, you know, it's my um, great-grandparent on the other side of the family and you know a few levels of being like second generation third generation in different places of my family tree but all from there and I was not taught like the language or anything growing up so it really circling back to that retreat space 
I really like my vision for folks and I think why this ancestral reconnection matters and doing healing and liberation work now is that we're all carrying so much. We all feel in our bodies, the places where there's trauma and stuckness and energies that we don't want to carry forward for ourselves personally, whether we choose to have children or not, and just in the collective. Mm-hmm. And that requires like a looking back and like understanding in a 3D sense, like what happened with our people, yeah. you know, and understanding the threads of like oppressed oppressor in our people and really grappling with that in a container that is really grounded and trauma informed and and somatically based um, to not just be like, hey, like your ancestors did this shit. And so like right. now this you need to, et cetera. Yeah, which is like, and that thread is in, important. Like it's important to understand. It's important to really reckon with speaking specifically in a, a United States context. Like the fact that this country was founded on genocide. Like we just need to be talking about that. And like, what are we doing? to yeah what are we doing for and with indigenous communities black communities now like a country that was built on slave labor like we have to grapple with these things and like i really feel if we stay stuck in the cycle of like learning more and reading more and getting deeper into what happened like we have to be in our bodies we have to understand you know Mm -hmm. even for folks maybe have more of a 5d paradigm of like past lifetimes and which which I to some extent hold and Mm -hmm. I kind of try that on for a while and then like take that off as it feels nourishing but even for folks who feel that um you know there's star seeds and like other lifetimes and other timelines there's something about being here in this timeline with your specific ancestors and people that is important exactly (laughs) and like there's there's grief and there's pain there but there's also a lot of medicine and joy and resilience and ancestors who are well and like want to bless you and support you so anyways that's what I was gonna ask (laughs) yeah that's what I was gonna ask if it has um almost a spiritual shamanic element to it like Mm -hmm. connecting with and consorting with uh, a person's ancestors like from their own using their own intuition their own knowingness their own inner eye so to speak mm-hmm. because I feel like what does continue this the cycle is getting caught up in again the narrative around us about what it is what you've said before when we spoke I really loved how you you're wanting to help people tap into that from their own core like their own biological self kind of tapping into what they're their lineage and their history is in order to you know the inside out like bring that from the inside out in a really natural organic way would you would you agree with that is yeah completely and it goes back to kind of that both and of those things that we experience individually that maybe feel really individual and are also totally collective and structural so it's this dance of like how do we be in our personal healing and in the collective liberation, which I always come back to. But I think when, I think conversations around anti-racism work, around social justice work can get really 
disembodied re- really quickly. And I've operated in this paradigm and I, I think people do really important work from this paradigm and it's, it's never an either or, it's always a both and. But if we have this idea of like, oh, racism, colonization are outside of me and this thing that impacts people of color, this thing that impacts indigenous folks. And if I do not identify as an indigenous folk or a person of color, then maybe I can support a cause that supports those people, but it's still very external. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we were like rewind it back and be like, hey, what was going on in pre-colonial indigenous Europe? Like there was a lot of violence and fighting and genocide there. And like, maybe we have threads on both both side of that in our bodies and if we can get in touch with that it's like mm-hmm. oh like maybe I have something in common like yeah with indigenous Native American folk and maybe as I tap into the grief and the pain and also the resilience in my ancestral body I can be supported by my ancestors and by that knowing to show up for and with communities here and now and then it becomes like part of my healing, part of their healing, part Mm -hmm. of our liberation. I had this friend once who, I think we were actually recording a podcast at one point, but she brought up the the fact that throughout all of history, there are millions of stories that we've never heard. We, We really only know a few different official stories. So I love that what you're what you're wanting to do is get people in touch with their own story, their own you know, origin organically, because I feel like that is what actually does the healing individually and then collectively, you know, by way of doing our own healing. That's beautiful. And also it's, it's really, really relevant, this kind of work right now, astrologically. I don't know if you're, uh, if you're aware of, you know, we have Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn right now, right on, in co-presence with the south node of the moon in Capricorn. And what this signifies is this deep, because the, the south node is our history, tradition, ancestry, looking to the past, what, what has already happened, you know, what we've inherited. What I feel like we're driven to do right now is to reform that look, we have to look back in a certain way so that we can go forward and rebuild these structures look at the structures because capricorn it's form you know it's mm-hmm. what is what is well founded what is already what what we're seeing you know the 3d like literally it's very resonant and like very relevant the work that that you're doing with that i just wanted to bring that up as another layer <laughs> to the game thank you yeah thank you for layering that in i really appreciate that mm-hmm. and i feel that these times that we're living in have really called me to this work into this evolution like it's always this co-creation and what is really our work you know like Mm -hmm. what does that even look like and I I do think that more and more and I think especially in the U.S. context like with the 2016 election like that is an embodiment of like oh these are things in our country that those of us especially like folks raised as white carrying white privilege even really well-meaning folks we weren't really reckoning with and we have the administration that we have god willing like brought that will transition exactly (laughs) and it's so 
if I'm hearing kind of what you were speaking of in that like South Node Capricorn conjunction, I don't know if that's the right word. Saturn, Saturn, is, Pluto, yeah. Mm -hmm. It is that kind of like, okay, let's really get clear on like what's been happening and what hasn't been going well so we can create and move forward in a way that is healing, is liberating. Yeah, because it has to do with Pluto. I mean, Saturn and Pluto only come together every 38 years. They have their own cycle. Oh, wow. So when Saturn is, Saturn is, you know, form, crystallization, yeah, time, linearity, what you see, you know, in the physical. Pluto is that incredibly just unearthing and rebirthing. Mm -hmm. transmutation transformation of what has already happened of, of like basically taking the shadow and alchemically transmuting it into the new so that is sort of what we're tasked with uh, that is what we're tasked with right now it's very very deep work pluto work is we don't totally understand it it's it's so I wouldn't even say ephemeral because it's too deep to really be ephemeral, but mm -hmm. um, it is really important. Deep regeneration mm -hmm. of structure yeah. and things. Mm. So just total transformation. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It is really exciting. Yeah. yeah, and what came through for me as you were sharing is like just the recognition that we are in heavy hitting times, like mm -hmm. on all levels, we're doing it we're diving into the shadows we're transforming and it's become even more important for me and my personal practice to tap into joy and wonder and laughter and pleasure and community there's a really wonderful scholar and activist adrian marie brown and she has a book called pleasure activism that some folks might have heard of and if you haven't check it out but she really really centers this idea of like if we're going to back to all of this shifting and liberating being an evolutionary necessity like we evolve towards things that are pleasurable so like dismantling systems of injustice creating new systems that needs to feel really pleasurable in our bodies and it doesn't mean that it's always easy or that we're not triggered or that you know, pleasure and some conceptions can be a real privilege. And like really what she taps into her work is this innate thing as humans, like our birthright to pleasure and to have a pleasurable experience exactly. in our bodies at the intersections of all of our identities. And to feel safe and to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And like that, the, the very fact that we are here is evidence of that and mm -hmm. we have every right and every deservedness to have the things that make us feel joy we weren't put here to be punished we weren't put here to suffer you know any suffering i feel this is my belief any suffering really comes from unwillingness to change or unwillingness resistance to change even that's very plutonian like <laughs> With anything with Pluto, it's like, just let it go because it will hurt. Otherwise, it will really, really hurt. If you just let it go and go into the stream, the flow of what it takes to regenerate, really fully regenerate, then it's a lot, no, I wouldn't say easier, but it's 
more fruitful. <laughs> mm-hmm, completely. But I love that. Yeah. Um, I think that we can lose sight of that. Like we're actually here to feel joy and that isn't like total love and light. Don't look at the darkness. That's it, this integrated way of being whole and being, being a whole person, being human. That's mm-hmm. it, it's all of it. It's not just, you know, it's not suffering. This has been great. <laughs> Yeah, likewise. I felt like I talked so fast. Like usually if you listen to my podcast, my speech and my presence is really grounded and slower. I but felt I just like felt like were. so much. Oh, great. <laughs> I felt like so much was channeling through in our conversation. I feel really lit up and Good. and sparked by kind of the conversation and the thoughts that we shared. So thank you for holding this space. Of to course. Start. Of course. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing. Well, if you want to, um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss while we're here? Otherwise, we mm-hmm. can wrap up and just let people know where to uh, find you online and everything. But Yeah, this else? feels like a really complete conversation. Yeah, I'd love to share. Folks can find me at Lauren Miranda. I spell my name with a Y, so it's L-A-U-R-Y-N Miranda. LaurenMiranda.com. I have a really lovely free channeled audio affirmation bundle called Healing is My Birthright that has been really nourishing to create and to share. I would love to offer that to listeners and we can link that in the show notes maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And if you listen to this episode, like send me a little message. I always love to hear when folks tap into podcast spaces and what comes up. And like I mentioned, Heal and Liberate, the podcast, and the Heal and Liberate Collective are also resources for you. And Instagram at Lauren Miranda as well. Mm -hmm. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much for co-holding this space with me. You're very good at it. (laughs) We'll have to do it again. Yes, likewise. It's always so fun to be a guest. Thanks, Trista. I hope you were nurtured by this expansive conversation with Lauren. You can connect with her online by following the links in the show notes or visit laurenmiranda.com. If these kinds of conversations are lighting you up, I want to invite you to become a patron of my podcast and astrology work through my Patreon portal. Patrons receive early access to podcast transmissions, exclusive access to astrology forecasts, practices, and personal readings from me starting at only $5 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash liberate yourself. As always, thanks for joining me here and listening and take care out there, guys.